0: Hey everybody, it's Associate Pastor Jeff Boyette here at Grace Chapel Fairview, and welcome to our podcast. Our prayer for you today is that you will lean into the message and that you'll walk away feeling inspired and changed, bringing you a new perspective on how Jesus is moving in your life. Let's join Pastor Ian. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 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 Let's be seated. As we get into God's word this morning, again, we've been talking generosity and looking at the. The, the reality that, that generosity is, is not necessarily something we should just you know, strive for. It's not something we should just try to accomplish and do. But in fact, real generosity is going to come by us drawing near to God and being with Him. Because He actually is the, the, the generous one. He's the one that, that, that provides and that is generous. And so as we, as we step closer to Him, as we live life with God then we find ourselves just becoming a generous type of people. And so it's not something we want to shoot for and just go, oh, I'm not, you know, I struggle. Like, y'all, this is something for me that it's like, I'm, I'm preaching to me this morning. Like, I know a lot of people that are extremely generous. And y'all are going to look at me like, oh my God, I can't believe we're here. I don't feel like that's me, right? Like, I, I don't feel like I fit. I'm not the guy that it's like, like the, I want to grow in generosity. And it's not something that I... I say that with some, you know, like I I mean that wholeheartedly. I I wanna become the kind of person that that can just give out of a place of of overwhelming confidence. But sometimes I fall into some of the traps that we're gonna talk about today because I'll just shoot to, you know, it's like, well, I'll just give more. I'll just try harder. I'll just kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps. And the truth is, is that just always ends in frustration and a little bit of disillusionment, right? when we just try to will ourselves to be different than we are, it's gonna take actual change, right? And in order for me to change, I don't need to just start doing weird stuff and acting weird, I need to draw near to God and allow Him to transform my heart. Does that make sense? And so as we lean into Him, we start to become like Him. That's where in Luke it says that that a student becomes like his master. And so as we start to draw near to God, we start to transform and become like him. And he indeed is generous. We looked last week at the fact that Jesus is the giver of life, that God gives life itself. And not just in some spiritual sense. Of course he gives spiritual life. But he also gives like the breath of life, like the very life, the, very, the cellular level life that it takes to exist. All things are sustained by the word of his power, like God is involved in all the parts of life. And then this week, as we started, kind of as I, as I was looking at it and I, and I really, I heard some things and I just went, man, this is such a, a powerful topic. I wanted to turn to a story that might sound familiar. It's probably familiar in a series like this, but I heard about it and, I, and, I, and as I've studied it, I'm going, man, this is a different perspective Because what I want to speak on today is the war against and the the, the opposition to a heart of generosity. What is it that that is is counter to becoming a generous person? And I don't think it's by any mistake that the very heart of God is to be generous. And yet the very nature of our world, the the very... Con, you know culture that's that's all around us is is counter to generosity it's the opposite right it's the have it my way have it now I, it's all about me it's me focused it, it's it's completely what can you do for me it's that kind of lust mode of operation we talked about in the last couple of weeks and so there's this interesting reality that we have to lean into and go Why, what is at war in opposition to the generosity and the the, the generous life that God calls us to? And I think we can look at Luke chapter 18 verses 18 and 30, uh, a familiar story for some, and and, and find some, some order to this. Now a certain ruler asked him, Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? When Jesus uh, answers your question with a question, you're in the mud. (laughs) No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, I love this guy. He said, all these things I've kept from my youth. And so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will treasure, uh, you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, but he for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it, his disciples, said, then who can, who can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You see, I think it is, it is fascinating and important for us to start kind of at the end of this little bit here. I think it's in, in order to kind of to get where he's going, we've got to start right there at the very end. And Jesus said something that is, is widely known and I think oftentimes misunderstood. He says, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And then he goes on to talk about the camel going through the eye of the needle. I have heard so many sermons trying talking about the different, you know, what does that mean? And the, the you know, the eye of the needle, it's a smaller door, and camels, they actually, because what it is, is it's terrifying to think. That if you have wealth, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And the truth is, is like even the poorest people in America are wealthy on the world standards. So every American's going, please tell me that this is not saying what I think it's saying. Are all of us going to have to give everything we have to the poor and just walk around the world following Jesus? Because at the end of the day, I think a lot of us are going like, I don't know that I like, I don't want to do that. Like if God's asking me to do that, I will. But like, I don't really want to do that right now everybody's looking really uncomfortable. What are you going to say? And I think the point is, is Jesus is, 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 is saying something that's got a lot of meat on it. He, he's reminding of us of a, of a very natural truth that, that exists. And he's saying it is hard, but then he goes on to say, but even impossible things God can do. So the truth is, is this isn't a, an indictment on people with wealth, because the next question will be, how much money is too much? Like, how much wealth can I have in order to be in? And it's like, when has God ever been about giving you rules? He, he's giving a, you know a heart position. And so the point is, is that I believe God is ma- or Jesus here is making a a, a statement about. Something that is very real and that is this that number one money has spiritual danger attached to it that there is just a, a, a Reality that is present that he's going man like you almost can feel the sympathy in Christ's voice when he goes man Isn't it hard for the wealthy to get it? it it's not I don't think this indicting you know for every eternal statement on people with X amount of dollars just cannot enter the kingdom How, Why why do we say that? Well, there was lots of very wealthy people in the scriptures that were very much a part of the kingdom of God. I mean, just, just go look at uh, Solomon, right? Like, what did Solomon have? How much did he have? Like, like there's so much that, that, that that's just not what this is talking about. But it is saying that, that money does have a, a spiritual danger attached to it. And I want to make a clear observation that, that danger doesn't equal a curse, I think it's a really weird uh, ambition again to go, oh, my God, the, to be a good Christian, I've got to be, you know, X, Y, or Z. I've got to have this. It's like uh, it, danger doesn't mean evil. This obviously isn't saying that, that money carries with it some kind of curse or is inherently wrong or, or the, the, to have money is, is wrong. Of course that's not right. There are many great men and, and women in the scriptures that, that, we, that we look at and they have wealth but lots of good things hear this have potential danger attached to them when we start to 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 be disillusioned and confused when we start to allow that which has spiritual danger to actually cause spiritual transformation in us we start to uh, allow ourselves to be separated from the will of god for our life and so the truth is is that this this statement that Jesus is making and he, as he's encouraging them is going, listen, guys, it's, I'm not saying that, 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 that wealthy people can't come into the, uh, the, the kingdom. But what I am saying is that, that money has an inherent ability to distort and, and disfigure and confuse and hurt your spiritual life. And then I think the guy's response is so interesting because they go, well, who can be saved then? And, and that's oftentimes one that we, we overlook that phrase. Because, again, even the disciples fell under this, this I don't know, false thinking that money and, and material things automatically equal blessing. Right? And so they were walking around going, like, if the people that are the most blessed can't get into eternity, then who, like, who can be saved? And so there's this truth that it's going, and Jesus is going, no, no, no. The real miracle it doesn't have anything to do with monetary value the real miracle is that god can save people all of them the fact that that a sinner can be transformed into a saint is the miraculous feat and so he's not you know he's going listen it's just there's danger attached to it and tim keller outlines this from this this uh scripture he looks at five ways that money has the ability to be dangerous that money has the ability to distort and disfigure and because of that it validates that truth that Jesus is speaking to us that there is that danger in it the first one is this money can generate a temptation for dishonesty see the more money we have the more potential we have to be to be dishonest about it right Like when I was five years old and I'm borrowing a dollar, right, Uh, and I could kind of manipulate the thing. Like I might, you know, make 50 cents off my dollar, right? But the more you have, the more you have the propensity to to manipulate, the more you have the propensity to to harm with. And so the more you kind of generate, the more temptation for dishonesty you can have. The fact, Keller says, is that the more money you get, the more pressure comes to be dishonest about it. Not that you will be, but that the pressure will exist. Number two, I thought this was fascinating. Money has the, uh, an addictive power to it because the more money you have, the less money you think you have. And I thought this is fascinating. It's an empirical fact that nationwide, the more money people make, the less percentage of that money people will give away. Now hear that one more time. The more money you make, the less percentage of that money that people tend to give away. So when people make less, they will give a higher percentage of their wealth to the, to, 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 no, this isn't just about church giving, just they'll, they'll give it away. And that's fascinating because the more money you have, the less of your wealth you're willing to part with because there is a, there is a a reality that has just this addictive power that can kind of distort and disfigure what's real and then the truth is 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 that addiction and denial makes you go man As the incomes go uh, is going up expenses need to go up and then the more I feel like I'm strapped in the process you see that is a product of our world generating this this culture that's like I I need more I've got to have this if I have this much I've got to have this if I get to here I gotta have this and the truth of the matter it is it is It is not, it is the war against being generous, right? If I just keep up with the Joneses and keep going and going and going and going and going, then I'm never going to live the kind of life God made me to live. I'll always say, when I finally have that much, I'll give it away. When I finally get to that place, I'll do something about it. But the truth is, is if I don't do it right here and right now, I'll never do it then. If I don't develop habits and patterns and and entrench them in how I live by living close to God, then then the hope of someday when I get there, all of a sudden everything changing is just, it's not going to happen. So if I can't create habits of generosity now, then it's just, it's 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 a fool's errand to pursue it someday. Because the truth is everything about our world is pushing against this everything about modern culture is resisting this and the truth is if we're honest with ourselves like if I'm honest with me I've got to go that's real I, I like that's a real issue that like that happens and in, in, the, in the game the, uh, the mind game starting you start wondering how well, is this I'm, I don't know I probably shouldn't do that I need to you know hold a little back and I need to have you know it's like it's real to allow this kind of addictive power of money to take over and it's it's again it's not saying that money is the problem it's the ability that comes with it that can oftentimes disillusion and distort us And then when you take the truth of the fact that addiction and denial and and its empirical evidence that that's happening and you pour our culture, social media, celebration of greed, gluttony, alongside with fear of potential crisis, it is not hard to see how giving money falls by the wayside. We go, man, I don't want to give it away. I need to store this stuff up. Number three, money has the ability to log you into a false sense of security. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard people say, when, I, when we start, you know, when we get this job, when we make enough, that's when we're going to start a family. That's when I'm going to get married. That's when I'm going to do that. And me and Amanda, we just broke all the rules, right? <laughs> like, and so it was one of those deals that I remember thinking, like, when I had my first kid, it was all like, Izzy was just, everything was normal, everything was good, and you're going... Man, see, every, we, you know, we just did it right. Then you have twins, and it's just a dumpster fire, right? Like, you weren't ready. There was no dollar amount on the planet that was going to be read, make me ready to have twins. And then three weeks into their life, like, like one's got RSV, two. Like, at one night, literally, we had one in the hospital, and Amanda's checking the other one into the ER because RSV and 4 months olds and we got babies, and it's like... There's no preparation that that monetary value can prepare you for that. What does prepare you? Preparation of character. Becoming the kind of person that can weather storms that no money can prepare you for. There's not a dollar amount that can prepare you for losing a loved one. There's not a dollar amount that's gonna prepare you for, for losing a job. Now, being a good steward of money can put you in a position to weather storms better right like better off you know again it's like we i'm not up here teaching financial advising i'm telling you that that living generously is not the way we're we're naturally bent because of the world around us and it's a false sense of security to think that somehow money is going to prepare me and make me wise and rich in character and, and and ready to endure that which is is challenging real challenge not like you know Oh man you know this happened we had a little bump in the market like you know I'm saying like real life-changing hardship money can't get you there and so you have to go what is what's 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 happening in me to, to think that I've maybe put myself in a position to go man I've you know if I finally get to this if I finally get enough money if I finally have enough things then I'll have what I'm looking for the other thing is this number four money makes us proud I'm sorry Money can make us proud you see the single most valuable life skill that Keller talks about and I think this is so interesting the single most valuable life skill on the planet that we have and this is a big moment we're sharing right here is the ability to repent and say I'm sorry the re- the ability to recognize before God and others that I have not done right and I need to I need to change my ways is there anything, like anybody, anything more important than that in a marriage? Right? One person laughs, everybody else is like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I love my wife. There's a truth though, it's like there's nothing more powerful in a marriage than the willingness to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. There's, no, there's no, no more important thing in a relationship that is fractured and broken. It's not like you can come and show up to a relationship that, that has, is, is on the rocks and go, Hey, I've got a great Roth IRA. That's it. No, what What are you saying? I'm sorry. I own my part, and I, I need to repent of hurting you and, and, and messing up. The, like, I need to say, I'm sorry. That ability to say, I'm sorry, and I'm broken, and I'm imperfect is invaluable in life. It is invaluable for the rest of your life, whether, whether we're in business, whether we're in church, whether we're in your house, that is an invaluable asset that, that you have and you can always lead with. And the truth is that, that sometimes money has the potential to create an environment where, where we think we are better than we really are. Because if you money says, if I have lots of money, it says that, that I'm rich if I have lots of money I go man I, I, I have I have lots of resources I'm good at this I'm, be- I'm better I'm better than other people and so the pride starts to well up in us and we start to go well wait a second I don't have that much to say I'm not good I'm, I don't have that much to you know and, and we start to develop this habit of thinking that perhaps I'm better or I'm smarter or I'm uh, 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 in, a, in a better class because it's a direct measurable way to, to, to look at it and so the truth is is we have gotta go wait a second I need to resist that and go you know just because I'm good at making money doesn't mean I'm I'm better than other people it just means I'm good at making money and so I need to leverage that for the kingdoms cause I need to use that for the kingdom purposes and y'all I've seen it I watch it it's happening right here in this church because the life of, of people are generous and it doesn't, they don't allow money to distort and disfigure like, like this is saying. But again, we've got we've to vigilantly attack and, and resist the temptation to let pride well up because of some financial thing we have. Well, well, I do Dave Ramsey, and so I'm just better than you. It's like, well, you're better at putting money in envelopes. I don't know if that means you're better at a, as a human than me, right? Like, like, I've got some intrinsic value that you can't take from me because you're envelopes. So the truth is, is we've gotta go, man, that's real though, right? Like, that's, all, that's real. The more you have, the more it kinda can well that pride up. So we've gotta go, hey, I have to oppose this. And see, why does, G, why does money have this power? Why does it have this ability? And I think again, Jesus gives us the answer. And as he's kind of in this theological question and answer time with this guy, we have to look back and see that Jesus had, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) I have no idea what that's doing, that's good. So just before this scene, Jesus tells a parable about the the Pharisees and tax collectors. And in Luke 18, nine and 14, he uh, also he spoke this parable uh, to some who trusted in themselves. That they were righteous whoo this is good and they despised others two men went up to the temple to pray one Pharisee and one tax collector the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers even as this tax collector I fast twice a week and I give tithes to all that I possess and I put my money in envelopes. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise an eye raise his eyes to heaven, but but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this man went down to the house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted the truth of the matter is jesus is looking at this young man this rich young ruler and he has just talked about this truth he's just said this this is just preceding this story and the truth of the matter is, you can't be saved without God. You can't be saved by, by just obeying and willing and being good enough. You can't be, be set free by just you know, acting really good and tithing you know, and, 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 and praying and showing up to church. That doesn't change you. The heart is what matters. It's not about being a religious person. It's about being a transformed person. And so this man, he stood in front of God himself, and, and we're talking in this first parable, and he stood in front of God and said, thank God I'm not like them, I'm, I'm with you. And that's the very thing that pushes away from God. But yet the man who was broken, who was doing evil, who was, who was, who was, who was blowing his life up by being a tax collector, that man was, was, was seen as, as justified. You see it's a it's a it's a flip of what the world standard says and and it's Jesus kind of painting this picture that it's not about just doing the thing you've got to actually be changed by it if we're just doing the function of Christian life but we haven't been transformed then this all is a hill of beans sleep in stay home again don't come back because if we don't get changed and transformed with the in the process then none of this matters you can't give enough to get to heaven you can't pray enough to get to heaven you can't act good enough to get to heaven you can't take care of enough problems to get to heaven the only way to heaven is through relationship with jesus and jesus is always looking at the heart he's always looking at what's happening inside of you rarely concerned about what's happening on the outside rarely concerned about how it's affecting you know he's going hey what's happening in there I care way more about why you're doing it than what you're doing and so there's a fascinating thing that he's just set up there and so now we go back into our story and Jesus asked this rich young ruler about his righteousness he says hey I've obeyed the Ten Commandments I know how to be right I asked you I said how do I be righteous boom you said exactly what I wanted to hear obey the Ten Commandments I've done that since I was a baby which is like, you must have had a weird childhood. (laughs) I feel like I was very aware that I hadn't kept it, but he had, he was confident, so confident that in the face of God himself, he said, yep, I've done it. Do you know how disillusioned you have to be to look (laughs) Jesus in the eye and say, I got that. (laughs) As if to say, you didn't need to come because I'm here big boy. Like, that's essentially what he's saying. I have have fulfilled the Ten Commandments. No worries. So I'm good there, right? And you get this sense that Jesus kind of goes, well, let's just try one. What's the first commandment? Don't have any other idols before me. Right? So sell all your stuff. You see, Jesus is not giving a declaration of how to steward your wealth, right? If so, then you know, like that's gonna be a problem because everyone's giving it all away. Who gets it? I don't know. I mean, like, that's a scary thing. We're all just walking in, it's like, I got nothing. <laughs> I gave it. We're all like, what's well, this? Everybody have jobs? Like, what, what are we gonna do? Like, so that he's not giving a declaration of how to steward wealth, he's giving a a, a challenge to this young man's arrogance. He's pushing on him and he's saying, Hey, if you really have followed all of them, then let's go after your idol and say, Don't have any idols. Sell everything you have. Show me that you really have kept all these commandments since birth. And what happens? The young man gets really, really sad because he realizes in that very moment that Jesus has got him right where he wants him. That Jesus is is now in a position to go, See, you do have idols you haven't kept the commandments you know Jesus could have stood up and go believe in me as the only Savior of the world and and receive the grace that is is that comes from life with me and you will be saved just like he could have gone to the woman at the well and he didn't tell her sell all you have he said hey go get your husband he went after the relational thing that was in her her idol that was that was trying to be in in, in these bad relationships he, he attacked the very nature of, of that which was destroying her and this is the same thing his abundance of confidence because he thinks he's good enough. So Jesus, he's, 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 he's like allowed his riches to distort him and disfigure him and make him think he's better than he was, right? So again, this is about Jesus giving exactly what this guy needs in that moment. Jesus says, you lack one thing, sell all you have, distribute to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me he's never asked to my recollection and my remembrance of of the scriptures he's never asked anybody else to do this this is unique to this man in this moment because he's going after the heart and again he's not saying that everybody's got to sell all their stuff he's saying that that we should have no other gods before him And the reason he attacks money is because that's this young man's delusion. That's this young man's problem. That's his idol. Jesus goes after and attacks that which is destroying us. It's never broad strokes. It's never all, you know, just kind of everybody encompassed. It's always unique to this, to him, to the person. So everyone's heart looks to something for hope and security. Everyone in this room has a heart that is looking somewhere apart from God to to have something that settles us, something that gives us hope, something that gives us security. Somewhere we rest all of our dreams of someday. And the reality is if you're looking to anything besides Jesus to hold your hopes and dreams, you will be deceived. You will be distorted, disillusioned, and disfigured. It will transform your life in a way that is not growing towards God, but separating it from him. That if we hold our our confidence and our assurance in our bank account, in our relationships, in our friendships, if we hold it in anything other than Christ himself, we will fall short. Life will happen, crisis will happen, things will happen. And, and the war against the generosity that God has called the church to live in is the fact that, that, that we can choose all these other things to find hope and healing in life. And the truth is, all of them will leave us and fall short. Jesus calls this man to exchange his idol for the real thing. He knew this man had succumbed to a life. Of danger in money and wealth, and he asked him to lay that down and encounter real life, real security. And the man couldn't do it. He fell short of being able to follow the voice of the incarnate Jesus standing right in front of him. Think about that. Looking in the face of God Himself, saying, I can't do that. In other Chapter, you know, so this is in Mark and in other books, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because he knew, listen to this, church, what that man couldn't do, he would still do for him. Because in this story, When we want to talk about how do we escape it how do we get out of it how do we how do we not succumb to it how do we not fall into it the truth is we need to look at the rich young ruler but not the one that that is apparent there's two rich young rulers in this story one that had everything and one that had all glory all authority all power all all everything right and he laid it down for the sake of someone else you me and the man that stood in front of him and, and and Jesus is looking upon him loving him saying you don't love other people enough to come follow me but I love you and other people so much I'll give everything for you generosity doesn't come by us just going okay I'm just gonna start you know just throwing money out and just giving it to everybody this, and this. It, it comes by us beholding the one who gave everything and so he goes, Hey, I want to give all that I have, right? I want to give everything that I have for you. And then we turn around. This is like, it's so easy for me to do this. I turn around. And I go, Yeah, but I got to be smart. And I, just, and I let the delusion start, right? Well, you know, this and then and I got this. And then. I just run through the list of all the stuff that's going on. I go, Well, wow next time when i make more when i have more when i when i when that when this clears up when that day happens and i go down the rabbit hole and the truth is as we draw near the rich young ruler the truly rich young ruler who gave all we're able to then come back to him and go this is all yours to begin with whatever your my money is is now your money whatever my time is is now your time whatever my life is is now your life you know, we get so caught up in the money part but but time and energy are also a hugely valuable part of our life what do you give to that how are you contributing that how are you how are you being generous with all that God has given us and oftentimes we want to ask the question and again Keller brings this up and I thought it was so profound I said how much do I have to give to be generous and that's a really bad first question because it's it's what's the bare minimum what's the what's the required practical don't give me any kind of Jesus juke answer like what's how much do I have to give? the the problem is that's a bad question the better question is why don't I want to give more time energy resources to whatever God's called me to do is it because I have fallen prey to one of these dangers that we've talked about I mean, is it is it is it because I'm 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 somehow letting some distortion and brokenness disfigure the way I'm thinking? Because if we start to ask the question, why don't I want to give more? Perhaps we'll realize it's because we haven't been drawn toward the right rich young ruler. And as our hearts change, and our hearts get melted by the fact that he gave all for us and he looked upon that man and said I'm willing to give all for you even though you won't give all for me and that kind of crazy radical grace that kind of crazy radical love because he was willing to do that we then can come and go what are you asking me to give how are you asking me to both yeah for sure financially contribute but how are you asking me to to, to give of my life for the people around me because when we start to live like that we, we recognize something truly changes and I think it's it's fascinating we'll talk more about these in the next few weeks but but when we look at kind of two basic truths of, 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 of then asking the question okay now that I've, my heart has been turned now that I've been transformed now that I see the fact that God gave all so I can give whatever he's asked then it comes down to two basic Biblical truths, and this is where we can be really practical. The first one is a tithe. Old Testament scriptures talk about a tithe and a tenth. That's kind of the baseline. It's going, hey, everybody should do that. There's there's all kinds of of, 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 of research that says when we live on, on on in that way, when we're giving a tithe, it, it grows us, it helps, all that. And it it, 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 it takes care of the church. And and, and and the truth is is that's that's baseline. But what does the New Testament ask? What does the new testament speak to about generosity it doesn't give a number it gives a word and the word is sacrifice when we give until it cost us something when we give in such a way that it interrupts our day it interrupts our life it interrupts where we're going to go eat it's going to interrupt the vacations we can take it interrupts the life we are living that is when sacrifices happen and the call of god in the new testament when it comes to giving is sacrifice. And again I said it last week Jesus says that, that that he didn't come to give a tenth, right? He came to give all. And so he's the model, he's the guide. And so the truth is is that we have an opportunity to go god use us. Use our church. And again, this isn't just about resources. It's about you and me. Living differently so that people in this world, living all around us, see a church that's, that's, that's actually transformed, actually changing, beholding the one and actually making a difference so that when they come to us and say, what's different about you? How do you live this way? We can say, Jesus, he sets you free, he changes your life and he gives you life to the fullest. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday in public, and he goes, I'm just tired of playing church. I want to do the real thing. I want to live differently. And it charges you up to go, yeah, me too. I don't want to play games with this. If this is all just religious activity, then let's sleep in. I could have used it this morning. But if it's true, then it changes everything. And we've been called to live a life of generosity it's always been God's plan we need to be weary of and aware of eyes wide open the ways that that the enemy is going to try to attack disfigure and distort and then utilize the knowledge that we have to walk forward not letting the world conform us into its image but letting Jesus change the world through our activity And as we start to live that kingdom life out loud, we will see the world change right before our eyes. But if we commit to just playing the church games, I'm convinced we'll get the same results we've always had. And it is my conviction that we live and do things different because I want to see the world changed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we need you, and God for for all of us, Lord. We're just asking that you would continue to cultivate and generate a heart of generosity, that we wouldn't walk out of here today with some kind of weird religious conviction about, oh my gosh, I don't know, maybe He's trying to get me to like, uh, like, Lord, there's no, there's nothing on this other than the truth that that you want us to be free, and so we declare we want to live eyes wide open. Help show us where we can grow, God. Help show me where I can grow and be a more generous person. Lord, start right here and transform all of us into the image of Jesus as we pursue you and live life as your church. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, and God's church said, amen.